and welcome to 5MI Weekly. Today we'll answer the question, why are people gay? Unfortunately, others' attempts at answering this question often involve ideologues making diatribes about three topics. Nature versus nurture, normal versus abnormal, and reproduction being sexual orientation's purpose. Rest assured, this video contains no ideologues making diatribes about these three topics. However, you can expect me to be making empirically based expositions about these topics. Besides being just plain mean, diatribes about these topics are fundamentally flawed when initiated by the naive question, why are people gay? For these topics to make sense, they must be initiated by the relatively sophisticated question, why do people have a sexual orientation? Whether a person's sexual orientation is homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, or otherwise is beside the point. The point is this. The answer to the question of why are people gay is the same answer to the question of why are people heterosexual or bisexual or otherwise. So let's find out why people have any sexual orientation. Exposition number one. Nature versus Nurture. Is sexual orientation by nature or nurture? Interestingly, for almost 30 years, grant funding agencies have spent tens of millions of dollars, and scientists have spent hundreds of thousands of hours trying to prove homosexuality is by nature by searching for the gay gene. And all this money and time have led to the conclusion that there is no gay gene. These are not my words, but the words of Andrea Ghana, a research fellow at the Broad Institute in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Harvard Medical School in Boston. Andrea Ghana and his colleagues performed the most recent genetic studies searching for the gay gene. These studies examined and reported data from hundreds of thousands of people who provided DNA and behavioral information to two large genetic surveys, the UK Biobank study and the private genetics firm 23andMe. Ghana found people who reported at least one same-sex experience had variations in DNA on chromosomes 7, 11, 12, and 15. However, Ghana concluded these four genetic variants cannot reliably predict someone's sexual orientation. As Ghana states, there's really no predictive power with these genetic variations. These findings reinforce the idea that human sexual behavior is complex and can't be pinned on any simple constellation of DNA. There is no gay gene. Rather, non-heterosexuality is in part influenced by many tiny genetic effects. Ghana's conclusion should come as no surprise, because not only has science not found a gay gene, science hasn't found a heterosexual or bisexual gene either. In fact, 
with all the money and time that's been invested in the search for the gay gene, no one has ever systematically asked the question, where's the heterosexual gene? And why has no one systematically asked this question before? Because it's long been assumed there must be a gene associated with heterosexuality because heterosexuality is normal. Remind me again what happens when we assume. To be clear, there is no definitive scientific evidence for a gay gene, nor is there any definitive scientific evidence for a heterosexual gene, nor a bisexual gene. But this is not to say that sexual orientation must be by nurture. Beyond genetics, scientists have other methods to determine sexual orientation as to whether it's due to nature or nurture. For example, one of these methods uses a sexual orientation concordance rate. A sexual orientation concordance rate is the probability two individuals has the same sexual orientation. Sexual orientation concordance rates are calculated and compared among three groups of people. People who share the same genetics, like monozygotic twins, who are about 99% genetically alike. People who share some of the same genetics, like dizygotic twins and siblings, who are about 50% genetically alike. And people who share a non-related, randomly selected from the population percentage of genetics. If sexual orientation is by nature, then sexual orientation concordance rates, meaning the percentage of people whose sexual orientations coincide with one another, should be highest for people who are most genetically alike and lowest for people who are most genetically different. If sexual orientation is by nurture, then sexual orientation concordance rates should not significantly differ based upon how genetically alike people are. More than 50 years of research studies have revealed sexual orientation concordance rates are highest for monozygotic twins, followed by dizygotic twins and siblings, and lowest for randomly selected pairs of individuals. These findings from sexual orientation concordance rate studies support the notion that a person's sexual orientation has some fluidity to it. That is, it may change due to life circumstances, but it is otherwise relatively stable over a person's lifespan and rooted by nature. As with most human behavior, nature sets our sexual orientations range and nurture puts us at some point within this range. Exposition number two. Normal versus abnormal. What is normal or abnormal for that matter when it comes to sexual orientation? Before we answer this question, let's make sure we know what the definition of normal is. Normal can be defined in a variety of ways, including statistically, if an individual behaves like the majority of the population, then statistically the behavior is normal. And if an individual behaves like the minority of the population, then statistically the behavior is abnormal. Normal can also be defined psychologically. If the individual's behavior is bringing them happiness, 
then psychologically the behavior is normal. And if the individual's behavior is bringing them anxiety, then psychologically the behavior is abnormal. Normal can also be defined sociologically. If an individual's behavior is increasing their potential for more relationships, then sociologically the behavior is normal. If an individual's behavior is decreasing their potential for more relationships, then sociologically the behavior is abnormal. Normal can also be defined phylogenetically. If the behavior can be found in the animal kingdom outside of humans, then phylogenetically the behavior is normal. If the behavior cannot be found within the animal kingdom outside of humans, then phylogenetically the behavior is abnormal. Normal can also be defined legally. If there's no law against the behavior, then it is normal. If there is a law against the behavior, then it is abnormal. Lastly, normal can be defined relative to life's purpose. If an individual's behavior is consistent with life's purpose, then it is normal. If an individual's behavior is inconsistent with life's purpose, then it is abnormal. Because any one of these ways of defining normal has its upsides and downsides, the truest and most authentic way to define normal is to use all six of these ways. So let's use all six of these ways to find out if homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality are normal or abnormal. Since most people identify their sexual orientations as being heterosexual, and a smaller number of people identify their sexual orientations as being homosexual or bisexual, from a statistical perspective, heterosexuality is normal and homosexuality and bisexuality are abnormal. Homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality are normal from a psychological perspective because sexual orientation is not negatively correlated with happiness. Homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality are normal from a sociological perspective because sexual orientation is not negatively correlated with the number of relationships or friends a person has. Homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality are normal from a phylogenetic perspective because animals outside of humans are heterosexual, homosexual, and bisexual. In fact, more than 500 animal species are scientifically known to have homosexual or bisexual orientations. Homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality are normal from a legal perspective in the United States because there are no laws against a person being a particular sexual orientation. However, this definition of normal is relative to where you are in the world. Unfortunately, today, countries like Egypt, Jamaica, Lebanon, Singapore, and Uganda have laws against people being homosexual or bisexual. Lastly, whether homosexuals, heterosexuals, or bisexuals are normal from a life's purpose perspective is obviously dependent upon one's definition of the purpose of life. Whether one's definition is rooted in God or happiness or self-preservation or reproduction, bear this in mind. 
heterosexuals by far are more likely than homosexuals or bisexuals to be violent towards others, to be homicidal, and to sexually assault adults, children, and their own family members. With these acts of violence in mind, heterosexuals, from a life's purpose perspective, are abnormal, whereas homosexuals and bisexuals, from a life's purpose perspective, are normal. So who's normal? People who identify their sexual orientations as being homosexual, heterosexual, and bisexual are normal on five of the six shared definitions of normality, which means to have a sexual orientation is to be normal. Exposition number three. Reproduction is sexual orientation's purpose. Often, the topic of reproduction being the purpose of sexual orientation is included in discussions about why people are gay. To show the homosexual orientation is abnormal because it does not lead to reproduction. Indeed, homosexual behaviors do not lead to reproduction. But reproduction is not the purpose of sexual orientation. Instead, pleasure is the purpose of sexual orientation. You can easily demonstrate pleasure is sexual orientation's purpose by simply asking your friends, family, and strangers the question, why do they have sex? No matter what their sexual orientations are or their biological sexes, you can expect their most frequent responses to be related to pleasure. Cindy Meston and David Buss of the University of Texas published results of a study using this exact method. They found no differences between men's and women's responses to this question, with their replies consistently being about pleasure, feelings, and happiness. You can also demonstrate pleasure is sexual orientation's purpose by doing a simple thought experiment. Add the number of times you've had and hope to have sex during your lifetime. With this number in mind, consider how many times the goal was or will be for reproduction versus how many times it was or will be for pleasure. Which number is higher? The number of times for reproduction or the number of times for pleasure? Or should I reframe this question to which number is way, way, way higher? So why are people gay? The same reason why people are heterosexual, bisexual, pansexual, or otherwise. We're programmed by nature and a little bit by nurture to have sexual orientations. So we can seek our own and facilitate others' happiness. Despite the barriers we ourselves put up to deny pleasure. 